Well, good morning, everybody. Oh, I'm getting a click-click at the background. Do you know what that is? It's going click-click-click-click. I don't know. Brian, is that an issue that you can fix? Okay. You're okay here at this end. All right, cool, because I can hear click, 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 click. It doesn't make sense. All right, here we go. This is Granny D, Dorcas Smith, out of Plymouth, Michigan. Welcome to our beginning 2021 year. Although Susan started on Friday, this is the first beginning of the week. So welcome everybody who's come to join us at our weight management call. This, My name is Dorcas Smith, and I live in... Plymouth, Michigan. The weight management call is done five days a week, and it's really a community to help you keep your weight in order. It certainly worked for me. In fact, now I have to work at keeping my weight up because I lost, I was getting concerned that I lost too much weight. Imagine that. All right. So um, we have different people on every day. Um, we have Nikki Coyne, we have Susan Mann, we have Victoria Perper, and we have myself right now who are doing the calls. Oh, and Frank Lomas. So at different times. My interest always is, everybody has a slightly different interest. My interest is the brain and how the brain is working and how it impacts the way we function. So... I'm going to be talking to you from Brain Rules by John Medina, 12 Principles for Surviving, Thriving at Home, Work, and School. And we're working on long-term memory. So what is the thing about long-term memory? Remember to repeat. Short-term memory is repeat to remember. (laughs) So there's the two things that you must do. If you want to make a memory get in there nice and solid, remember to repeat. So, we are now beginning long-term memory, and this is rather different than short-term memory. So, let's get started. For many years, textbooks described the birth of of a memory using a metaphor involving cranky dock workers, a large bookstore, and a small loading block. An event to be processed into memory was likened to somebody dropping off a load of books onto the dock. If a dock worker hauled the load into the vast bookstore, it became stored for a lifetime. However, because the loading dock was small, only a few loads could be processed at any one time. If someone dumped a new load of books on the dock before the previous ones were removed, the cranky workers simply pushed the old ones over the side. Well, nobody uses this metaphor anymore, and there are ample reasons to wish it good riddance. Short-term memory is much more active, much less sequential, and far more complex than the metaphor suggests. We now suspect that short-term memory is actually a collection of temporary memory capacities. Each capacity specializes in processing a specific type of information. Each operates in a parallel fashion with the others. 
to reflect this multifaceted talent, short-term memory is now called working memory. The best, perhaps the best way to explain working memory is to describe it in action. I can think of no better, sorry, Medina can think of no better illustration than the professional chess, the professional chess world's first real rock star, Miguel Najdorf, N-A-J-D-O-R-F. Rarely was a man more at ease with his great, his greatness than Najdorf. He was a short, dapper fellow gifted with a truly enormous voice, and he had the annoying tendency to poll members of his audience and how he thought he was how they thought he was doing. Najdorf in nineteen thirty nine traveled to a competition in Buenos Aires with the national team. Unfortunately, two weeks later Germany invaded Najdorf's home country of Poland. Unable to return, Najdorf rode out the Holocaust tucked away safely in Argentina. However, unfortunately, he lost his parents four brothers, and his wife to the concentration camps. In hopes that any remaining family might read about it and contact him, he once played 45 games of chess simultaneously as a publicity stunt. What's amazing is he won 39 of these games, drew four, and lost two. While it's, while it's kind of amazing in its own right, the truly phenomenal part is that he played all 45 games in all 11 hours blindfolded. Yep, blindfolded. Najdorf never physically saw any of the chessboard pieces. He played each game in his mind from the verbal information he received from, with, each, with each move to his visualizations of each board. Several components of working memory were working simultaneously in Najdorf's mind. The fact that he won 39 games out of 45 blindfolded is absolutely amazing to me. I don't know how he did it. This allowed him to function in his profession just as they do in yours and mine, although perhaps at a slightly different efficiency. Working memory is now known to be a busy temporary workspace. A desktop the brain uses to process newly acquired information. The man, um, the man most associated with characterizing it is Alan Bradley, B R A no, not Bradley, Badley, B A D D E L E Y, a British scientist who looks uh, who looks unnervingly like the angel Clarence Oddbody in the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Badly is most famous for describing working memory as a three-component model. We have auditory, visual, and executive. The first component allows us to retain some auditory information, and it is assigned to information that is linguistic. Badly called it the phonological loop. Nadstorff was able to use his this component because his opponents were forced to declare their moves verbally. The second component, which I think would be visual, allows us to retain some visual information. 
the memory register is assigned to any images and spatial input the brain encounters. Badly called it the visio-spatial sketchpad, Najdorf would have used it as he as, sorry, as he visualized each game. How the man visualized 45 games as he was playing them is beyond me. I, that is not a capability I have. The third component, which would be executive, is a controlling function called the central executive, which keeps track of all activities throughout the working memory. Najdorf used disability to separate one game from another. In later publications, Badley proposed a fourth component called the episodic buffer, assigned it to any stories a person might hear. This buffer has not been investigated extensively, regardless of the number of parallel systems ultimately discovered. Researchers agree that all share two important characteristics. All have a limited capacity and all have a limited duration. If the information is not transformed into a durable form, it will soon disappear. If you remember, we had a friend that we talked about, a man called Eddinghouse, who is the first to demonstrate the existence of the two types of memory systems, a short form and a long form. He further demonstrated that repetition could convert one into the other under certain conditions. The process of converting short-term memory traces into longer, sturdier forms is called consolidation. And I'm just going to go back to, if you don't remember who Herman Ebbinghaus was, he was born in, 19, in 1850, and as a young man, he looked like a cross between Santa Claus and John Lennon with his bushy brown beard and round glasses. He is most famous for uncovering one of the most de depressing facts in all education. People usually forget 90% of what they learn in class within 30 days. He further showed that the memory of this forgetting occurs within the first few hours after class. This has been robustly confirmed in modern times. What Ebbinghaus did was he designed a series of experimental protocols with, with which a toddler might feel at ease. He made up lists of nonsense words, in fact, 2,300 of them, and each word consisted of three letters and a consonant, vowel, consonant, vowel. No, consonant, vowel, consonant construction, such as taz, T-A-Z, or lef, L-E-F, or ren, R-E-N, or zug, Z-U-G. And then he spent the rest of his tri life trying to memorize lists of these words in various combinations and various lengths. All right, so that's pretty amazing. So the first thing we're going to look at and I don't really have enough time to do it. So I'm just going to finish talking about Ebbinghaus. And the next time I'll be talking about consolidation. There's cons consolidation of memories. There's retrieval of memories. Then there's repetition. And it's the repetition that's amazing. Ebbinghaus's work was foundational. It was also very incomplete. 
It did not, for example, separate the notion of memory from retrieval, the difference between learning something and recalling it later. Go ahead, try and remember your social security number. Easy enough. Your retrieval commands might include things like visualization of the last time you saw the card or remembering the last time you wrote down the number. Now, try to remember how to ride a bike. Easy enough. Hardly. You do not call up a protocol list detailing where you put your foot or how to create the angle for your back and where your thumbs are supposed to be. The contrast proves an interesting point. One does not recall how to ride a bike the same way one recalls nine numbers in a certain order. The ability to ride a bike seems quite independent from any conscious recollection of the skill. You were consciously aware when you were remembering your social security number, but not when riding a bike. Do you need to have a conscious awareness in order to experience a memory? Or is there more than one type of memory? The answer seems clearer as more data came in. The answer to the first question is no. All right, do you need, okay, the question is, do you need to have conscious awareness in order to experience a memory? The answer is no. Which also answers the second question, is there more type of memory, more than one type of memory? There are at least two types of memories, memories that involve conscious awareness and memories that don't. This awareness distinction gradually morphed into the idea that there were memories you could declare and there were memories that you could not declare. Declarative memories are those that can be experienced in our conscious awareness, such as this shirt is green or Jupiter is a planet or even a list of words. But non-declarative memories are those that cannot be experienced in our conscious awareness, such as the motor skills necessary to ride a bike. So this does not explain everything about human memory. It does not even explain about declarative memory. But the rigor of Ebbinghaus gave future scientists their first real shot at mapping behavior, mapping behavior into a living brain. So that's a pretty amazing thing. The next thing we're going to go to next when I when I am back will be consolidation of memories, how we retrieve memories, and what the aspect of repetition is. And what I've learned from this book is I la I'm telling you where we're going to be going because it helps us to organize what we're going to be doing. So thank you for joining me today. We've just opened the door of how short-term or working memory works into long-term memory and why long-term memory works and why you need to repeat. Remember, repeat to remember and remember to repeat. And I'm just going to go back one more time and just remember, look at this again. And yes, so... To get it into long-term memory, remember to repeat. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Brian, for your work. And thank you, Susan, for being here and all the other participants in the call. This is Granny D, Dorcas Smith, signing out for today. And let me just unmute us.
there you got it. <laughs> I know. I, I always have to look. I have to look at my little chart, which I keep by the phone, so I remember which one to do. <laughs> <laughs> one of these days, you'll have that imprinted in your brain. <laughs> yes, one day, but it doesn't seem to be staying very well. Maybe that has to do with my long-term memory. <laughs> could be, could be. Keeping the brain, the whole point of all this is how do we keep the brain functioning and what part of the brain is involved in keeping us healthy. But if we don't have a healthy brain, then nothing else is working. So this is where our exercise and everything that we do comes into play. Absolutely. So remember when you're teaching your kids repetition, repetition, repeat to remember. <laughs> and remembering to repeat. <laughs> that's right, that's right. So we're about to get ready for our one team global call shortly on Facebook Live. And thank you, Brian, for doing what you do. Thank you, Frank Lomas, for putting everything on SoundCloud, and he also has it on a blog, which I'm not quite sure how we, or podcast, I'm not really sure how that's connected at this point in time. It's a skill I have to figure out. There's so many things that you need to figure out on a daily basis. At the moment, I'm trying to figure out how to get my taxes done, and it's driving me crazy. So... (laughs) Thank well, you for he being said, with us. Go ahead. He said that those pod, he said that those podcasts, depending on where you get your podcasts, if you put in Frank Wilmus and TR ninety, they should pop up. So that okay. was his directions. I have not tried it as of yet, but that sounds pretty straightforward to me. So. Yes. All righty. So everybody, thank you for joining us today. Have a great Monday. Tomorrow. Nikki will be on, so please get ready to do your Zooms. You should have the Zoom information somewhere. Um, If you need to get it again, let me know um, at uh, 734-673-2975. You can text me. I'll say that again, 734-673-2975, and I will get you the podcast um, connection. Otherwise, have a great day, and we'll be back on tomorrow with Zoom. You'll also be able to listen to the call on this line as well because our amazing Brian seems to be able to connect both of them. So I hope you have a great day, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow. Awesome, awesome. See you later. (laughs) Have a great day. Have a good... Yes, you too.